Tuesday, August 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Fool.com, one of the hosts of our daily industry-focused podcast, Christine Hargis. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we're going to talk a little healthcare. So let's start with CVS Health, the leading drugstore chain in America. Second quarter profit came in higher than expected, but they lowered guidance for the full fiscal year, and that appears to be what people are focusing on because the stock down about three percent. We'll get into the stock in a minute, but this, on the surface, this seemed like a, a perfectly good quarter. Yeah, I mean the thing about the guidance is. Yes, they lowered the top end of the projection, but it was really just a narrowing of where they're projecting to see earnings per share come in. So there's not really a whole lot of bad news to report there, but as you noted, the stock's down today. Well, and so if you break it out, and and I guess I guess we knew this was coming. Certainly, the CVS executives knew this was coming. It was a year and a half ago when they announced they were dropping tobacco products. And they knew at the time that the what is referred to as the the front of store sales, the non pharmacy stuff, they knew that was going to drop. That certainly was the case. I mean, it was down nearly eight percent this quarter. So again, not unexpected. But I think I think if you're if I think it's fair to look at this company and look at the run that this stock has had, which has been a great run, but that's still a little jarring to see that kind of drop. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I definitely think that that's what's driving today's drop. But if you think about it, that move is really a long-term play for this business, which is as much, if not more, about their pharmacy benefits management segment than they are about the actual retail pharmacy that CVS is best known for from the everyday consumer. Uh, earlier this summer, they announced the deal with Target. They're going to be taking over all of the all of the pharmacies inside Target, uh, which certainly from a real estate perspective is great, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,600 locations across America. Any sense of of when we're going to know what that means to the business? Obviously, it puts them in a whole lot more locations, but at what point do you think we'll be able to look at this and say, okay, this has been a big win, a small win. This is kind of a wash. I mean, are we a year or so away from that? Because obviously, you don't just you don't just overhaul sixteen hundred Target pharmacies overnight. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about this acquisition is that these are already established stores. But you're right; that number is huge. I mean, it's sixteen sixty new locations for the CVS name. Right now, they only have a seventy eight hundred store footprint, and so this is certainly something that's going to take time. And I won't put a definitive date on it, but I think it is going to be a gradual thing, especially as they work out the kinks and try to optimize that strategy. I gotta say the the branding that they've done. I don't know who's. I don't know if they're doing that in house or if they contract that stuff out. But just the 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 one two punch of we're no longer selling tobacco. We're rebranding as CVS Health, and I think they've just done a fantastic job with that. Which is, in a way, I, I and I want to highlight that because I think we've seen plenty of examples where companies screw up branding. Whether whether it's just the the overarching brand or product brands or whatever, but this this seems like they've nailed it. Oh yeah, I would totally agree there, and I think that they can leverage that branding into the PBM side of the business when they go to have these discussions with their their formularies and trying to figure out the best deals possible. They can go into that and say, "Hey, we don't sell tobacco. We truly are CVS Health 
for a reason. Uh, let's move on to Regeneron Pharmaceuticals, not the household name that CVS Health is, although uh, with a market cap somewhere north of $60 billion, maybe it should be. Uh, second quarter profit and revenue both came in higher than expected. The stock up around 8% this morning. Um, th- this thing's a monster. Yeah, this is actually a really cool company. And just looking into them this morning to prepare to talk to you about them today, I was really impressed with what I saw. What uh, they are, well, their name is Regeneron Pharmaceutical, but you were, when we were talking earlier today, you were saying, well, actually, they're a biotech. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would say that they are first and foremost a biotech company. I mean, they have four approved products, and right now they're really all about the pipeline game. And even that fourth, the most recently approved product, was just approved very recently. And so this is definitely a company that is on their upside. I want to get to the recently approved one in a second, but um, one of their mainstay drugs is something called Ilea. Um, and again, this this is a company I had never heard of until about two weeks ago, and I was um, uh, talking with an ophthalmologist, um, and he was asking, "Well, what do you do for a living?" And I told him where I work and what I do, and he said, "Oh, I I don't really know anything about the stock market, and and uh, the only thing I know uh, the only, the only stock I really know anything about is is Regeneron." And I was like, "Well, I've never heard of it. What do they do?" And he said, "Well, they make Ilea." Um, I said, "What's that?" He said, "Well, that's that's a treatment for macular degeneration," and I said, "Oh, do you do you prescribe that?" And he just sort of waved his hand to the the other people in the room, all of whom were ophthalmologists, and he said, "Oh, we all do." It's and I said, "Well, what's the? There's no competitor." He said, "No, there's nothing on the horizon." There's he's like, "We all recommend this," so I just thought, "Wow, that that sounds like a good business to be in, where you've got." Not just arguably the best treatment, it sounds like maybe the only treatment. Yeah, I mean, you do have a little bit of competition in this market. You've got Lucentis in there for the same uh, treatment of wet age-related macular degeneration. You also have a cancer drug called Avastin that's being wildly off-labeled for wet AMD. But Ilea is truly a growth story. I mean, they saw sales absolutely surge this quarter, and that was a lot of what made them so handily beat on earnings. What is? Uh, tell me about the most recent drug that they've gotten approved. So this is a new. Uh, generation of cholesterol-treating drugs called PCSK9 inhibitors. So, traditionally, statins are what is used to treat uh, high cholesterol, but this new type of, of drug takes a different approach to it. And it's supposed to be used in conjunction with statins, usually for people who aren't responding quite as well to statin treatment. And the market here is expected to be absolutely enormous. I, I've seen peak sales estimates for PCSK9 inhibitors at north of $10 billion. So, that could be huge. And so right now, they've nabbed the first uh, approval in the U.S. for this class of drug. Uh, theirs is called Proluent. And what is it called? Proluent. That doesn't really. I could ro- that totally doesn't re- not be saying it correctly. Uh, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Someone, someone uh, well, at Regeneron <laughs> needs to call up CVS Health and, and get some branding advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not going to argue that. But oh, I mean, this thing. So it, right now, it's being sold for fourteen thousand six hundred dollars a year, which is insane. That is. Yeah. Who has that kind of money? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of payer pushback. They're not going to end up getting that price for it. Uh, before we get to biotechs in general, back to Regeneron for just a second. Um, this stock is up more than 2,400% in the last five years. 
that's phenomenal if you are a shareholder of this company. If you're like me and you're basically just learning about it, I, I look at that and I think, well, that's great. And it does seem like they've got, certainly with ILEA, they've got the go to treatment. But I also just have to ask, is this a stock that you look at and think, oh, yeah, it's got room to run? Not that it's going to do another 2,400% in the next five years. I think you'd be insane to, to, to think that. But uh, how much room do you think this thing has to run? Personally, I was pretty pleased with what I saw. I think this company definitely does still have a lot of room to run, and you know that's just my opinion. I can't predict the future, but they're trading for around 40 times 2016 projected earnings, which is a lot. But they've got a pretty full pipeline, and that's really the key thing that you have to realize with biotechs like this is that you might have a couple of drugs on the market. Maybe they're absolutely crushing it, like Ilea is, but the really important growth driver. Is what's waiting still for approval, whether it's a phase three drug or even before that. Uh, these guys, I think, have two drugs in phase three development and a whole boatload that are in phase one and two. And so they're going to continue to pump out new drugs, hopefully, for years to come. For someone like me who does not have any biotech stocks in the portfolio, what, how should someone go about sort of looking at the biotech universe? I mean, obviously, it seems like it seems like one of those industries that somebody's always got like an up and coming. Oh, you got to check this Here's out! Here's my hot tip. Check out, yeah. yeah. And I've said before on this podcast, the the worst stock I ever owned was not a stock that went down. It was a biotech that I owned that I that was going up, and I was literally losing sleep over it because I just couldn't figure out what the company did. And I sort of had an idea when I bought the stock, and then I just I sold it in just a few months because I just thought this isn't worth it to me. So what's what's a better way for someone to go about looking at biotechs in a way that hopefully they're not going to lose sleep? Yeah, I mean, so you kind of have a double-edged sword here, where the easiest biotechs to understand are the ones that have one drug or maybe even just one pipeline candidate drug. But those are also going to be your riskiest stocks, and unless you're a PhD in in chemistry and you know all about what's actually going on with this drug, it could be pretty hard to get a sense of what exactly the value of this company is. But then you have the other opposite end of things where your safest biotechs, your Gilead Sciences, your cell genes, those are the ones that have a huge portfolio, but they're also going to be your safer plays. And so I guess I would recommend just kind of balancing it out between finding a company that you feel comfortable with and you're not going to lose sleep over, and also having a company that's pretty diversified, has a bunch of irons in the fire, has drugs on the market that are doing well. So yeah, it's it's a balancing act. You can follow us on Twitter at MarketFoolery is our handle, and uh, our dozens of listeners did not uh, disappoint in terms of weighing in on. The issue that was raised on last Thursday's episode, uh, and that is, of course, uh, when we were talking about National Chicken Wing Day, um, and Bill Barker talking about the Wing Bowl in Philadelphia. Uh, from Benjamin Chambers, who writes, I have to say, Portland has the best chicken wings at a place called Fire on the Mountain. 
Again, Fire on the Mountain. That's I'm I'm going to that restaurant no matter what. It's a great name. That's a great name. Uh, from Paul got that branding down. Yeah, they got the branding. <laughs> they they need to Regeneron should just call Fire on the Mountain and, and get some <laughs> advice there. Uh, from Paul Francius, whose last name I'm probably butchering. Sorry, Paul. Uh, Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York. Nothing else need be said. From Rob Klein, Wing Bowl may be good. You have to refer to the original and the best. And that is the National Buffalo Chicken Wing Festival coming up September fifth and sixth. So you've you've got time if you want to book your flight for Buffalo. And from Stephen Russell in Oakland, Tennessee, in Memphis, you want to go to Central Barbecue for wings, plenty of sauces or dry seasonings to choose from. Uh, you're a Jersey girl. What uh, what do you got for me in terms of a chicken wing recommendation? Whether it's in Jersey or or here in the D.C. area. Well, I do know that I'm going to have to go check out Anchor Bar and Grill. What was that, New York City? An- Anchor Bar in Buffalo. You got to go up to Bu- Buffalo. Oh man, that's even more of a trek. But uh, Chris, you know this. My TMF handle is TMF Anchor, and yes. so. Gonna have to hit that up. Absolutely, and and go now. I'm not saying you go to the Wing Festival, but go now because nobody wants to go to Buffalo when it's say January. That is a great point. Yeah, I will leave right after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I guess my personal wing recommendation it has got to go to this tiny little pizza chain in New Jersey called Tommy's. I think it's Tommy's Brick Oven Pizza or something is the full name. Those are definitely best wings I've ever had. You know they they. Fry them up nice and crispy. There's some onions in there. Mm, comes out on like a piping hot cast iron skillet. Nice, so good. Nice, Tom. So local, lo, like one location or a local chain? Uh, I think they have three locations. They're okay, in Redneck, New Jersey, which is closest to where I grew up, and then they just opened a new one in Seabright, New Jersey, which I can't wait to go to because that's even closer to my parents' house. You know what? When you're driving up to Buffalo, you can stop there. Oh, excellent. Little, Load little, up on some wings little, on my way to more wings. Little, little, little taste test, little comparison. Maybe I'll wait for next year's National Wing Day. There you Would go. Would be more appropriate. Uh, check out Industry Focus uh, Monday's episode that uh, Christine did with uh, Gabby LaPera and John Maxfield. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, basically breaking down the, the business of Donald Trump. And we're not about politics here at The Motley Fool, and I thought you guys did a wonderful job of, of just sticking to the business part and, and not getting into the politics. But uh, really, really interesting background on Donald Trump, the man, and sort of how he made his money and, and where he's going from here. So, uh, so great episode. Well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, The Donald, it was a fun episode. Yeah, The Donald, never boring. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 